What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is the amazing uh, my barista, essentially, <laughs> uh, Jordan Heidel. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Sid. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, you're more than just my barista, but like, I just—it's very funny how we met. Very funny. Um, let's let's get right into it, though. Like, uh, let's get right into like how we met. Um, so you're my barista. I am. I don't want to. Um, I don't know if we should say where you work because it is essentially you're my next door neighbor, <laughs> and that would kind of. And it would kind of like zero me in of like where I live. That's totally but... fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> but like you're uh, like I said, you're more than that. Um, tell me a little bit about like who you are, what you do, and maybe even go into how we knew each other, how we met each other. Okay, cool. Uh, so I was born and raised in Spokane, and I for the past about ten years, um, I went to school over on the west side and have been over on the west side living in seattle and doing all of that and just more recently came back to spokane and i am an artist a creator a dog mom um adventurer and your barista as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so we like I gotta be honest, I love baristas. Like, essentially, even before I knew you were, like, an actual, you know, visual artist, mm-hmm. like, which I want to talk about that in a little bit, but, like, I, the, making coffee is so amazing. <laughs> like, it is, I don't know, the art of making coffee is so fascinating, and I wish I got into it, because, like, when people, like, make lattes, and the latte art, and, you know, like, choosing a specific kind of roast Mm -hmm. and all that all that jazz Mm -hmm. like you can like oh yeah i'm just gonna dump some ground coffee and put it in my uh, coffee pot and (laughs) press the button that's where it goes (laughs) yeah but like i i don't know like maybe i'm like overthinking it but like the local baristas in the area like that i've been to not just in spokane but in like in seattle and you know when i was in chicago Mm -hmm. for like a few days like i went to a few coffee shops there um like it is there's something about it like i like maybe you can talk about it a little bit like that side of your your life um are you would you consider yourself like oh wow i i know so much about coffee i guess i don't know so i coffee was like the job i did while i was in college it was Mm -hmm. very different from the experience i'm working now but it was a drive through location, super fast paced. We had like four girls working there the whole time. It was just like lines of cars and pumping out coffee more and more, all these different flavors, all this different stuff. And it was super fun. It, they taught me a lot about coffee, just really the basics of coffee and making foam, not so much on like the latte art or anything of that. Um, you know, coffee's like a, it's like a, I don't know, it's a trade that you just don't lose. And to be honest, mm-hmm. this is like, one of the like probably the best job I've had (laughs) in a really Uh, long time I just really love it there and what we do at my spot now is more of like craft coffee so we use much nicer machines much better coffee everything Mm -hmm. is like weighed out timed perfectly and I'm still to this day learning more and more while I'm working where I am yeah and like uh, the best thing to me about coffee is like experiencing it. Like I, I joke, but like it, it's true. I I feel like 
whenever I hold like a cup of coffee from wherever, mm-hmm. like I feel like, oh yeah, like I I have something to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel I feel very productive. Right um, before the before the pandemic happened, I used to like hang out at coffee shops. Yeah. Like shout out to Atticus. Right. You know, uh, they're uh, I love them. Um, I used to stay there for like three four hours just working on my computer drinking coffee and just enjoying the atmosphere there yeah i love Um, that spot by the way that's like one of my favorite spots in spokane yeah what do you think like compels people to stay at coffee shops and like do work oh so that's a good question because at my location that's like the encouragement at my location so some coffee Mm -hmm. shops are like a few tables here and there, but my shop is specifically set up for people to come and work or people to come and gather. And so we do, I mean, I've had somebody there for a whole eight hour day. She was there when I opened up and I left and she was still there working. And I really think like it has to do with the environment for sure. I think a lot of people come in and we have tons of windows in my spot. So it brings in a ton of great bright light into the shop, really high mm-hmm. vaulted ceilings. I think ambiance for sure. Uh, and definitely quality of coffee. I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to bring people in and to stay too. So I don't know. Yeah. I think ambiance for sure. That's like, you got to feel cozy, feel like you can like hunker down and like spend time there and love it. Yeah, I just like people watching too. Oh, whenever, yeah. whenever I, whenever I did it at Atticus, like, um, I worked on my senior thesis, Dog Sees God, uh, with the dramaturg. Um, uh, which, in case you don't know what a dramaturg I is, don't. it's just end of people. Yeah, it's basically um, we do research on the text, context of the text, um, when it, what is it, when was it made, what was the playwright kind of thinking around that time, what's kind of like the world events. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was going on, and Dogs of God was a very important show. Um, uh, we we talk about it on the podcast, but it was basically a show about mental health issues. LGBT uh, representation is in that show. Love it, love it. Um, yeah, um, it's also a parody of the Peanuts in high school, <laughs> which you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that show. Um, but we kind of shit also on the playwright a little bit because it was written in 2005 and there's a lot of issues with this play, <laughs> the script, but yeah. our version was the best, like, and I no cap, like our version was the best version of that play ever. Like not even being biased. <laughs> oh, well, um, I feel like I, my, I have friends from the West side who are actors and directors and producers. And I feel like I've seen mm-hmm. that show before. Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if it was my show? Oh my god, my production of it. It was at UW. <laughs> and I don't know. It was at UW where I saw it. It's so crazy. Yeah, but yes, continue. Sorry. No worries. Um, uh, enough about coffee because, like, uh, the reason really, uh, like, the reason like what compelled me to have you on the show was um, you're you're visual. You're a visual artist. I am. So, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because, like, I when I was scrolling through your Instagram, like. My goodness, like it, you, you, you are amazing. Oh. Like we, we rarely get visual artists on the show. Like not for any reason. I just don't know too many. Yeah, of them. for sure. Mostly, mostly it's my theater art. Yeah, and I that love that because I have theater friends. So actually, like hearing you guys, I've loved the episodes that you guys talk. Mm-hmm. All of you guys talk. Yeah, but tell me a little bit about your visual yeah. art. Like Ugh. what? Yeah, tell me a little about it. Like what inspires you? Or, like. How do you describe your art? So I describe my art as abstract 
expressionism um mm-hmm. I really started painting how I am now like keeping art and painting into my my daily probably oh I don't know like four years ago three or four years mm-hmm. ago and I have been painting since I was little so when I was like three years old my godfather would buy me all of the art things that I could ever want I want it from like mm-hmm. oh I want this blow pen that you do and blah 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 and he'd be like yep you got it so I was always encouraged to be creative like all through my life and Mm -hmm. I have lots of creative people in my family too so art for me has turned into like a, a visual journal for me I love taking experiences and feelings and things that I do and feel and putting them on a canvas in a way that has never been seen before. So it mm-hmm. kind of makes my own experience in making my pieces super unique, very, very personal and like a, a huge exploration for myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to share that same work with other people, you know, everybody always experiences completely different feelings and things in my pieces and I love being able to then talk to people about like what do you see what do you feel Mm -hmm. all in all like knowing what my feelings were behind the piece so um lots of like Mm -hmm. I do lots of hiking and backpacking too so a lot of my pieces are very outdoor inspired I gather a lot of my a lot of my like my cup is full when I'm out in nature, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my inspiration comes from there as well. Dope. Um, what you were kind of saying about different people like interpreting your art, it reminds me of uh, my old mentor, uh, Courtney Smith. Um, he, I approached him one day with my, because I, 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 I would say I was a visual mm-hmm. artist. Like I used to paint mm-hmm. a lot and I wanted to show him my work. And I guess at the time, like, I was just looking like, hey, w- what are your opinions on my, like, art here? Like, is it good? Right. <laughs> Essentially. And he was like, well, what do you think of it? Like, that, what does it matter that, like, um, what I think right. of it? Like, what did you, what do you think of it? And I guess, like, for a long time, he was kind of hammering in the idea of, like, hey, you, like, other people, like, people should, like, feel how they feel about your art. You shouldn't be telling people like how you feel, how they how they're supposed to feel about right. the art. Um, what's fascinating about like theater and directing for me is like um, I when I pitch an idea, it's always starts with me, and then how I think other people are going to feel about seeing the like a certain right. show, like Doxy's God, for yes. example. Like I knew like there was a, there was a lot of problems with the script but like there was like a few aspects of it that I want to shine and I felt like when we highlight those moments um a lot of people are going to be impacted mm-hmm. by it um I'm not, I'm not like sure people other people are going to be impacted by different parts of the show but like I know there's a lot of things um that I want to highlight that people are going to be drawn yep. to and like yeah like it's i guess it's not necessarily being like oh um i want you to feel like a certain way or i know how people are going to react to this it's like i i think like if i'm feeling a certain way like other people are going to feel that mm-hmm. way too um it's interesting with visual art because 
it's with theater it's like there's a bunch of people in the room like you have the actors scenic designers um costume designers uh stage managers even like they they all have like their hands dipped into the show but with but with a visual artist it's like it's just yeah (laughs) big spotlight Um, it is very daunting i have to say that for sure every time i do a show and if i've only done i've done a couple shows that with collabs like i share the space or share the evening with another artist but the times that it has just been all me it is very daunting (laughs) there's nothing else to be hiding Mm -hmm. anything besides me and all Mm -hmm. of my work so and with me all of my work yeah like I put my heart and my soul into those pieces so and some people don't like it some people don't like my work and that's totally fine does not hurt my feelings doesn't make me stop creating because I I I've kind of gone out of the gone gotten out of the mental space of like creating to please instead of just Mm -hmm. creating whatever the fuck I want to (laughs) make I don't know yeah I'm like I don't I'm not here to please people it's nice to like you know have a commission and like create things that I know people will like as far as like revenue goes but if I'm able Mm -hmm. to do that then I'm really able to create how I want you know and like I feel like I was at that stage where I was like not necessarily trying to like um, caring about what other people think it was more um oh uh i'm i put i'm putting my heart and soul into this to a point where i'm putting myself into this and if somebody doesn't like it it feels like it's an attack on my character as a person uh especially like i had to get rid of that feeling with doug sees Mm -hmm. god when i was doing it essentially because yeah sure there's mental health issues like um and there's a lot of lgbt themes in there a lot of it i was super isn't there like sexual abuse in that uh, play as well no um it's meant sexual abuse is like mentioned i thought so Um, it just like hit on so many marks that whole show does yeah it was definitely mentioned and uh i think a lot of people even the fact like mentioning it and being in that mindset it affected them a little bit um but I think, like, my mission for that show was, you know, put people on the right path to therapy, mm. you know, um, which it helped me oh, yeah. a lot um, in the beginning of my mental health yeah, journey. Yeah, therapy saved uh, my life. I would not be here if I didn't. I'm like, a, everybody yeah. do therapy. It'll <laughs> save your life in more ways than you'll know. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I learned about the show is, like, for a lot of people, like, therapy isn't yeah. the option you know, like for trans people and, you know, even people of color, like not having the right kind Mm -hmm. of therapist or the right type of person, which, you know, like it's so rare to find like someone who understands trans issues. Like I've heard stories of people who um, went to therapy and, you know, they're like, they're pretty much dismissive of their trans identity or, you know, black people who see a white therapist and like they can't really talk about you know what it means to be right. black you know like yeah it's therapy well, mental hard, health is you know just and not, <clears throat> the mental health in our country is just not addressed well i mean oh, yeah. it, it's a huge issue but i feel very lucky and like humbled pretty much every day of my life that i'm still here and had mm-hmm. the family to help me get what i needed you know because not everybody had that or has that you know exactly mm-hmm. yeah um 
We'll get to talking about that in a little bit because guys, guys are non-binary pals. This is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. Excuse me. Um, we're each and every Sunday. I sit with a wayward artist and we talk about a person they're thankful for. Oh, we got a lot of burps in. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a show that's based on Pockets Full of Soup by Jared Petty, uh, where essentially I stole his idea. Not really. He wasn't really using it too much, but I think he'll be cool if uh, we use it, especially since we're using it for good. We're on season two right now. A lot of people really enjoy this show, and I think he'd really like that. Um, in case you hear like this humming noise in the background, I can't really hear it on my end, but it is freezing cold right now. It is December, and I'm cold. I'm not turning off this heater. Yeah, please, so I said, <laughs> get up, get nice and toasty. Exactly. Um, Jordan, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask each and every person on this show each and every Sunday. Tell me a person that you're thankful for. And it's not, by, by the way, I, I should have told you at the pre-show, it's not like the number one by all, like, oh my God, like, this is the person that I'm thankful for. Like, just someone that you okay. want to talk about. Uh, I, so I don't think this has been done on your show. So I'm not sure. I think, I mean, you don't really have rules, so I'm sure it's allowed. But I would like to say that my dog is the person yeah. slash fur child that I am most thankful for. Yeah, uh, Carson's episode. Oh, he did. Actually. Um, he well, he um, his dog passed oh. away. Oh, so, my dog is still dog... living. She's here with me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, thank thank goodness. Um, that episode, um, that was a really good episode with Carson. Um, it was a little bit cathartic because his dog died, and both my dogs died kind of around okay. the same time, and we got to celebrate their life in a, a, a way. You know, um, we now have two dogs now. Oh, well, Charlie was always around, but got Bowie. Uh, Bowie's our little oh. lab. I mean, not little anymore. He's a big boy. <laughs> he's like he's like six weeks. Uh, he's like six, like five months, six months old, probably. And he's about the size oh of a God. horse now. He's, but he's still a BB. That's yeah. a young boy. Yeah, he's a big baby. <laughs> tell me about your dog though um who are they so uh her name is june she also goes by june junathan junebug junie b all of the names i got her uh last year and october 23rd is the day i got her i had a like Mm -hmm. very horrible year 2019 was probably I don't know if I could ever have a worse year than 2019, to be 100% honest. So Uh. I uh, (laughs) was battling severe mental health, and that's a part of the reason why I had to come back to Spokane. And um, Mm -hmm. in the meantime, I've always dated people who had dogs. I always wanted a dog. I was always that dog person. I was that person at the party who was in the corner laying on the ground with the dog and not talking to any of the people. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I actually had to spend some time in uh, Inland Northwest Behavioral Health Hospital. So I had to spend like four or five days at the hospital. And uh, when I came out of the hospital, my family bought me June. And uh, it was like, I just, when I first saw her, you know, I'm coming, I literally coming from a hospital wearing not clean clothes all I want to do is go home and shower and I get home and my brother walks out with a sign that says welcome home mom and she's and he's holding June and I just like broke down crying 
And the fact that, uh, and I've always been like an adopted dog kind of person. I never wanted to like buy a puppy. And June's actually my dream dog. She's a blue moral Australian shepherd. She's about 35 pounds. So she's really little. And mm-hmm. she has heterochromia. So she has one blue eye, one brown eye. Yeah. Oh, and she, because of her blue moral, looks like she has like, paint splatter all over her face and all over her she's kind of gray and black and white all different colors but anyways so my parents got june because or my family got june for me because i was dealing with severe depression and feeling very alone and kind of like helpless in a world that at the time wasn't easy for me or very kind to me either so and Mm -hmm. june has like Oh, I, now that I'm a little over a year having her, she's like taught me so much about myself and taught me patience that I've never had and this unconditional love that I didn't really know it could ever exist or could ever exist in my future at that time. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm with her every day. She's like a little Velcro. She's laying at my feet right now, actually sleeping. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. I feel like she got me out of bed in the mornings when I couldn't get out of bed. She got me outside and walking and getting fresh air and moving my body when that was actually impossible for me. She helped me like get on a schedule and start eating more regularly and being more active and awake and eventually helped me. You know, I did lots of therapy and lots of personal work on myself and she's really been just a great support system for me the whole way mm-hmm. you and i both have two dear parent experiences in 2019 <laughs> <laughs> where 2019 was it was very much a highlight year for oh. my career and like graduating college finally and my theater troupe was like just getting off mm-hmm. out of the water i mean granted Peyton died uh, my dog, oh. my Springer Spaniel, died on Christmas Eve. Um, so mm-hmm. that's coming up. Very sad time. It was kind of very sudden. We had no idea what happened to him really? to this day. Did... Um, oh. Yeah. He, yeah, he, uh, I, I count it like as part of 2020. Like that was like the right. omen. Right. <laughs> like this was like, oh man, we had a really good year and this happened all of a sudden. And it's like 2020, uh, 2020 can't possibly get worse. Can dun, it? Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, your, your experience is valid. Um, but I just, I just, Oh, it is. And I talked to so um, many different people who are like, and 2020 has been really hard on some people, but for me, it's been like this huge, like, like yeah growth and like self-love and like this finding of myself so it's just oh, like boy. it's been very different for me so i'm i'm very happy for you because i am currently not in that <laughs> mode <laughs> it has been very uh like uh if you if you just see like because i live i technically quote-unquote live upstairs um but like i live in my mom's house um but i live upstairs essentially and if you saw how what upstairs looks like right now you'd just be like oh boy he he's got issues <laughs> it's like oh maybe he needs to clean up or you know do some do some laundry one of these I days feel it, you know? man. i've been there 100 percent. yeah but uh um if you're comfortable about it i would like to know like what was kind of going on in your life last year that um 
you felt June really helped you get through. Like, I, like again, if you, you don't have to go too extensive or anything, but like, I'm just kind of no, curious about I, it. You know, I think I'm at a point now where sharing my story is like, it's so it's good. Like, I I feel strength based off of what happened to me, and, and I don't feel shame anymore. So I'm definitely open to tell you about it. So mm-hmm. uh, I started dating. Um, a gentleman while I late 2018 and in 2019 uh we had now you know hindsight is a a very unhealthy relationship with each other and uh, I think I was kind of ready to get out of Seattle and I'd been battling you know mild depression here and there and was doing some you know, therapy for it, taking some medication for it, but it was always manageable for me. And after I quit my job in Seattle, and then I moved up to Bellingham to move in with uh, my partner at the time, um, in a course of four months, four or five months that I was there, between like April or May through September, it just like plummeted. I plummeted. I didn't have a job. I was involved with a lot of emotional abuse and uh, mental abuse, a lot of gaslighting. And um, also, if anybody doesn't know what gaslighting is, because this was a new term that I learned, is uh, gaslighting is when someone tries to convince you of a reality that isn't true so a lot of things are like oh you're you're not understanding that correctly or you must have forgotten what you said because you said this or you have bipolar you're bipolar and eventually convincing you of these things that even though they're not true Mm -hmm. so i learned i learned that um you know i how do i say this i um I got to the point where my emotional and mental health were beyond being helped anymore. And to the point now where I was like physically scared to be at the house any longer. And I, on September 27th, 2019, I packed a very small bag of a few belongings that I took that I didn't even know what I packed because I was so frantic and so mentally just not there and I um, Mm -hmm. got my car and I left and I just never went back and never and I was fine Mm -hmm. with losing anything that I had there that that my partner could have taken or destroyed or done anything with so and I lost my job because of it I couldn't stay in that house in that town with somebody who or in a relationship that that was that abusive for both of us, really. So I came back home and uh, my I'm currently also living with my, I live with my mom and my dad. Um, so I came back in September and then October I was admitted at Sacred Heart and then they moved me to Inland Northwest Behavioral Health. My depression just got to a point where I didn't want to be here anymore that everything felt so bad that 
not Mm. being here anymore would have felt better. And luckily for me, my family is everything to me. And I, to this day, am thankful for them because they saved me, you know, if, and with June, you know, if, if my family wasn't there, if I didn't love my brother as much as I do, if I didn't not want to hurt my family like that, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hurt my family like that. So I was able to get help. I was admitted to IMBH, which is a whole experience in itself. I don't know if you or anyone you know has spent any time in a mental hospital, but it was uh, an experience that I will never forget ever. (laughs) So uh, yeah, after I got out, I was given like a psychiatrist. I was given a dog. I had therapy. I had medication. I had help from my mom and I had help from my dad. And I mean, I just started recovery. Like I knew that the second day that I was in the hospital, that was like my rock bottom. Like I literally looked in the mirror and I said to myself, like, this is it. Like it literally can't get worse than this. There's nothing else that can happen to you that can make you feel that can be worse than this moment right now for you. And I think after that, I just made the decision that like, I wanted to live. I wanted, I loved who I, I loved part of me that I felt like I had lost and I just needed help. And June was a huge part of that. Huge. <laughs> Obviously my family too, but I think that's just a given. I'm like thankful for them. June's like a very yeah. new thing for me. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a uh, kind of long it, story. It's... Kind of crazy. Oh no, no. I think um, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, like, first of all, just even talking about that, um, for those that don't know what like inland northwest behavior health is like at the time like i know i knew this because <laughs> i was at a low point too but i like not to like what happened to you essentially i was like okay i need to like establish myself with therapy and i was like oh inland behavior health i, I should call them and see establish like that that's probably where you well, go to get therapy right? really they didn't uh, me because they said uh, that they had a wait list there so i had to go some well that's another thing the yeah. whole mental health how it's handled and everything is just sad <laughs> well the other thing is like they only admit people who are like at the end of their rope or like who have committed suicide or something like that like and that's what they told me on the phone i was like oh no i i, I don't think i'm there yet you know like i do have like suicidal thoughts like uh, but i've never committed to them uh so like knowing that you spent your time there like just like wow you know, um, yeah. <laughs> let me see. I'm just trying to find some words to like, um, it was like just, say, I, um, uh, it was very humbling. It was, I was in, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was going to be like at all. And I was, you know, on the floor mm-hmm. and shared rooms with people who, you know, I was like severe depression and anxiety is what I battle from. So uh, other mm. people there are like schizophrenic or bipolar or have much more severe like mental illness that they're battling themselves. So mm. and I hadn't been exposed to people like that on that level who are suffering from those kind of mental illnesses. And, you know, being getting mm-hmm. able being able to talk with them and like, you know, just get to know other people in that space was just so humbling and I 
I don't know the day that I walked out of there it was like I needed it I needed to go there I'm so happy I did I mean I'm still in debt because of it but Mm -hmm. I don't care because it saved me you know I didn't want to be here and deep down I knew I didn't want that but there was a part of me who did too yeah yeah I think like you know the moment you left that abusive relationship like that like to me anyway, it feels like that was the moment where you were like, yeah, I, I don't want this for myself. You know, like you, you can't. I mean, granted, you know, you had that moment where you were in the behavioral health center, like, and you were experiencing, you were at the rock bottom, but like, you know, eventually like with time and like therapy and stuff like that, that moment, I think, like, again, you can no, no, call yeah, me out on it. it. <laughs> like, I'm just making a, an assumption. Um, you know, I, like th- that moment when you left, um, <laughs> And you decided, like, no, I'm I'm not going to be in this mm-hmm. situation anymore. I feel like with treatment and everything, like, that person inside you was able to yeah. come out more. The one, yeah. wanting to be alive. Um, I mean, yeah. One thing I, I wanted to ask. I think the only oh, thing yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, 100%. There had been plenty of times where I wanted to leave. But I just felt like <sighs> I couldn't for a bunch of different reasons. And I think even afterwards, mm-hmm. that that was one thing that I battled a lot with was like the shame of leaving, the shame of like quitting my job, leaving, starting over, losing everything, like all of this shame, and then eventually turning in that into strength. And that's like one thing mm-hmm. that I would always want to share with anybody who's feeling like they're being abused is that to just you have to leave like that's like the only option you have yeah. you mentioned the date specifically i think it was Correct. september 27th the 20 yeah like why that day like why why then why wasn't it the day before or maybe another day yeah like i mean i had bags there. packed under my bed for probably like a month that i would pack a bag and put it under there and think that like i was gonna leave before he came home and it was at that day, we had the argument that we had had just escalated to the point of like breaking doors or ripping shower curtains down or yelling things that are very scary. And at that point, like I felt mm-hmm. like my physical safety was at risk. And mm-hmm. I called my brother and I'm crying and I don't know what to do. And my brother's my best friend, and uh, he was just like, this is it, dude. You can't do this anymore. And I'm like, I want out. And he's like, you want out? And I'm like, I want out. He's like, all right, I'm going to call dad. So at that point, like, I kind of gave up and let them, like, kind of help me because I was so distraught. And at the same time, I'm dealing with my partner trying to find me, trying to reach out to me. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, it was, I think... I also was just like, I hated my job while I was there. I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to do. I, I didn't have any real friends mm-hmm. up there. And I was just in a very toxic, horrible relationship that I was stuck with and in. So I just didn't know how to yeah. get out. And it sucks that it had to get to that point in order for me to get out of it. But I, I did mm-hmm. it. And I can say that I'm proud of that now because... I'm here. I'm alive and I'm happier than I've been in God knows how long. Real quick, I wanted to ask you like a side question. Um cuz uh, you were listening to the earlier episodes yeah. of uh, the show. Um were you able to listen to Keely Anderson's think... episode? Radical oh, the yeah, one that's I did, radical empathy. I 
I was listening to her. Uh, she was talking also about a very abusive partner. And I'm really glad I mm-hmm. listened to that one because it felt similar to me. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of the things that she was saying about like the gaslighting or like when she was saying how her ex would say like, oh, if you leave me, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. God, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that <laughs> and how horrible that is mm. truly. And hearing yeah. it from somebody else, I think every time I hear another story or, you know, hear another woman come forward with a story, it, it gives me strength in my process. Cause you know, to this day, I'm still dealing with things like insecurities and, definitely PTSD from certain scenarios and stuff like that. But I loved that episode, by the way, Mm -hmm. I think you told me that one day I gave, I gave you coffee and you're like radical empathy. Definitely listen to that one. That's my favorite episode because I I just love how I know that's so cool. I love that also such a cool organic way to meet somebody. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I had no idea who you were. Mm -hmm. We just had similar interests and she was going through it. And I was like, yeah, and I feel like when I talk to you at the coffee shop that we will not call the <laughs> name it, <laughs> um, like I, when I when I could tell like there's something on your chest, like I like I, I think the word I tell you is like, is there anything that you yeah. want to let out? You know, like giving you this, like because you're right now, like you mm-hmm. work you're working as a barista and you have oh, to yeah. be nice for the most part, like otherwise <laughs> you, you'll get fired. <laughs> but like. I I really like I don't know like I I know how shitty those kinds of jobs are and like I kind of work a similar job like that I work as like I mentioned on the show like I I work as a receptionist so I always feel like I always have to be nice too granted it's healthcare and I can be a dick to people who are listening and be like um do you want your insurance to uh charge your card you know or whatever like this is your health right now (laughs) <laughs> and like they kind of have to like listen to me which that's, that's it's a great authority thing but anyway um so like i don't know i've always enjoyed listening to people because you know like kind of like well not obviously your situation is much different but like you know i've also experienced oh. you know gaslighting and you know a lot of like um mental abuse like just from like yeah. my parents divorce like many years ago which i don't want to get too deep into but um it was a lot to process, especially in the country that I was, the country that I was living in, Saudi Arabia, which, um, you know, mental health is not something that's frequently talked about. And granted, probably not even in, right. like in America, not so much, but in Saudi Arabia, like for sure, wow. nobody talks about, like we, like a lot of our situation, like I wasn't really allowed to talk about what I had seen or what yeah. I was feeling, you know? And it wasn't until, I don't know like 17, 18, where I like started talking, like felt comfortable, like talking about what was going on. And then it wasn't until like my early twenties where I was like processing that shit and be like, Oh shit. The things that I went through were not, yeah. <laughs> were, were not good. Like this is that. Yeah. And uh, I, I mentioned Perks of Being a Wildflower as being like uh, the movie slash book that really, like it really made me like think about yeah. my own mental health because like I I, I related mm-hmm. to the main character Charlie and I was like oh yeah I relate to him but but I was like but wait <laughs> should I be relating to how he feels <laughs> you know granted I wasn't uh, thank God I wasn't like sexually abused but like um, 
that's what he goes yeah. through in the show uh, in the movie but like um other things about charlie that like i felt like i related to a lot and i was like that was the first time i realized oh wow maybe right. there's something wrong here <laughs> like the, the there's something there's something here that's that's clicking and- but it's it's not there yet and even when I came home, yeah, go ahead. I was dealing with my own mental health. Like my family, like it was, it's not that my family's not open to talk about it. It just like, wasn't something that my parents or my family necessarily like educated them on like depression. They just didn't really know much mm-hmm. about it. So it was like a huge learning experience for my mom and my dad and my brother, my sister-in-law my grandparents, everybody who was close to me at the time or still is, it was just like, like mm-hmm. I was catching my mom, like reading a bunch of different articles on online and talking to me about it. And at that time, super grateful and happy and humbled that I had the family who were willing to do that for me. And then kind of sad that wishing that, mm-hmm. you know, more information or could be shared about that more people could know so they can maybe even help themselves, you know, understand themselves and their situation better. Yeah. And going back to like me talking to you at your job too, like I just don't, do you know, I like, I just, I don't know. I want people to just feel honest mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're talking to me, you know, like, and I could tell like in some moments where you're like, you know, upset, like there's a lot of stuff going on in yep. your life, even right now. And I'm like, is there anything that you want to let off your chest? You know, like, is, how are mm-hmm. you feeling? Like for real, um, on AJ's uh, podcast, like episode, um, I think I even mentioned it. Like at work, you know, like oftentimes, like, "Hey, how are you doing?" You know, like, "How was your day?" Yeah, that's basically it. And I don't know. I try to be more honest about like how I feel. Like this pandemic, like, has been terrible for me and i'm just like <laughs> straight up like whenever like the thomas hammer people uh, mm-hmm. there's a thomas hammer in that area and what? i get coffee there sometimes and <laughs> i i'm sorry yeah i'm like i, okay, I we okay. talked about atticus too so like i'm too <laughs> I, we're polyamorous <laughs> uh granted here's the thing like i'll be honest with you thomas hammer not my ideal place acceptable. but it's there it's acceptable and like the barista over there and she's like hey how are you today and like i literally told her like oh i'm awful you know it's just like there's just so much going on <laughs> i'm just like it's, i'm not even gonna pretend it's anymore. Exhausting. um i want to talk about june but like uh, before i do the, a lot of the stuff that you mentioned about june like say literally saving your life um I talked about it on Carson's episode, but like Eli and Peyton, my two Springer Spaniels who are um, born from the same kennel. They were, they're literally twin brothers. Um, so they've been born. They all they known for the last 12 years of their life were each other. And like, I only got to know them when they were around five, maybe four uh at the time i wasn't really thrilled about dogs like i came from a country where dogs i was still kind of like a mm-hmm. muslimish you know <laughs> like where i was like ah oh, dogs are gross i don't want them to touch me like this is i don't know how i feel about living with my mom and living with these dogs right now but then they grew on me and i think like what i realized is like me being so alone and like even my high like i 
I completely cut off my life in Saudi from Saudi Arabia. And even like the people like I am not friends with the people I was with in high school. I don't talk to anybody that I've ever known like in Saudi Arabia. Like I was I I came to the United States with wow. a complete clean slate. And it it's not easy because like there's a lot of toxicity in that country and I didn't want to be a part of that. I don't, like uh, and like I still don't want to like cause trouble over there <laughs> and just be like the only people like I interact with over there are yeah. my father and my siblings. And uh so like I was totally alone and in some way like at the time like I was I just thought it was kind of strange like how I attached I was to these dogs but then I realized that you know they were involved in all my theater projects like they were my first costume design <laughs> partners <laughs> i made them like little shirts and it it, it was a story who leslie stimulus at the time um she mentioned like she always mentions that moment because like that was literally the first time she ever taught and then i was like to her hey i want to make shirts for my dogs and we modeled like we brought him over and we modeled the shirts and that's a story that she always oh gosh, tells her students and yeah and like from there like they would always get mentions oh i'm gonna cry already like in the playbill and like even in my like in doxy's god like i there that was the last time mm, oh boy uh emotions <laughs> that was the last time i got to mention them when they were alive and yeah. them and Charlie, <laughs> I mentioned like my professor's name's Charlie too. I wrote <laughs> as Charles Pepitone and then like, <laughs> and then like Charlie, the dog <laughs> too. But like Eli and Peyton were in that too. in my, like one of my most important projects that I've ever did. And, you know, like there was a moment in like 2015 where I was kind of like you, like I, I thought about it like I was probably more close to than any other moment where I was like this is it like where I'm like I I just want to end it you know um like just thinking about ways to do it more like than actually committing to it but then I remembered like Eli and Peyton were there and I was just like I can't like leave this I can't like be Hachiko right now you know Hachiko like the dog the Japanese dog that waited yes. for his owner at the bus stop the shiba like the train dog. station like that Ugh. the shiba yeah oh like God. he waited there for Don't. eight years I, I bawled in and i'm movie. just like absolutely cried the movie the actual yeah. real story about that mm -hmm. like it was an actual real story uh i was just like i can't do that they're gonna like they're gonna do the thing like i'm just, again like my my theater slash film brain just thinking i'm just like oh <laughs> it's like a quiet day and they cut trot along upstairs and he's not there anymore and they just sleep on the bed and it's so sad and the audience is like super sad about it but like for Losing real though like so we i, just, I had like, springers too i think we, we talked about this but my family we're on our third springer yeah. we have a black black and white also named nice. charlie <clears throat> nice that's, that's kind of weird he, he also looks like eli too which is like um so I was like, mm -hmm. I can't leave these dogs. Like, I, I told myself, like, let's wait. They're five years old right now. They probably have five more years left. Let's wait and see what happens here with life and where it goes. And then 2019 happened, and it was really good. It was such a good year, and I finally figured out mm -hmm. my path. And, ooh, um, you know, 
it was kind of it's so weird because like i mentioned like how poetic it was that they went when i mm-hmm. kind of figured it all out and it was like in a weird way like their mission was done you know it was like oh. time to go <laughs> he, he, he doesn't so need us anymore <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, in a way, yeah. I mean, granted, like, they, I don't know, Peyton kind of suffered at the end, which was really sad. Like, we didn't know what was going on with him. And then Eli passed away in May. Oh, my God, that's my birthday. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) I mean, it was probably a week, it was a week after my birthday. So I'm really grateful he didn't die on my birthday. (laughs) Are you a Taurus, too? Oh, my God. Yes, I am a Taurus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Eli had uh, oh. prostate and bladder cancer, and you know, even at the end of his life, he was yeah. still himself. But it was clear that the cancer was yeah. it was killing him slowly. Yes, and you know, we yeah. didn't want to do chemo and all those. Like, yeah, it was just like yeah. our last. Yeah, he doesn't know. Lost like he he well, won't know what's. It just like you said, it got to the point where they just like you felt like they were just like wilting away. It's sad. Yeah. And And so it's, I don't know, it's really, I'm still not over it. It's like, I don't know if I'll ever be. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, I I can't even look at pictures of them sometimes, you know? Like, it's, Mm, who? It's so hard to even like look at pictures of them, oh, God. videos, yeah. or I mean, they're just such a like, yeah, <laughs> sweet, unconditional soul that just gives their whole life, yeah, just gives and gives and gives and wants to please and just make you happy. And they never, ever, ever get to yeah. be with us long enough, ever. They're always gone too soon. Mm-hmm. They never get to stay long enough. Okay. But I want to talk about June though, because like I was eventually like getting into <laughs> your dog. <laughs> Um, did you think at any point like that this dog was going to literally Definitely. save your life? But like, the was it like one of those things where the moment you saw, like, yes. Juno's a girl, right? Okay, like when you saw her, like, oh shit, like my life. I mean, yeah, right I now. think that's what I just like broke down. I literally. My dad was taking the video. Also, my dad and my brother are big softies, so they were both crying. My mom started crying. Everybody's crying because I'm on the ground, like, crying. Every- <laughs> Just a very emotional experience. And then my dad hugs me, and he says to me, he goes, you'll never be alone ever again. And I was just like, and that hit me mm-hmm. because that was, like, one thing that I was super, super battling was the feeling of being alone, of having, like, no friends, no partner, no job, nobody who understands what I'm going through mentally, nobody who could possibly understand what I'm even going through, like my life changes. And it just felt like Mm -hmm. I was supposed to have her like I I needed her more than she needed me. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I knew that my family was going to help me because it takes a village to raise an Aussie. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) and my family was super great and helping me a lot with june as i'm still like recovering but i needed her so much more than i knew she needed me and i think that's when i knew like 
I was on a path that I needed to go on because I was getting up every day. I was waking up in the middle of the night for her. I was at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, I didn't have a job at the time. I was just doing art, but I was up and with her and not wanting to stay in bed all day. And that was like a huge thing for me. So Mm. yeah, I don't know. I just, I, the second I saw her, I knew like my life was instantly changed and everything that I've always wanted, like Mm -hmm. with the dog, you know, I'm, I Mm -hmm. personally am not planning or wanting to have children, human children. So, you know, my dog is like that to me. She's no baby. Yeah. Uh, I think my perspective on children changed last year. Um, I'm a mentor now. I have an, I actually have an apprentice. Oh, that's so cool. But, you know, I, but I also like I knew like littler kids on the mm-hmm. the show that I worked on, and they were just the best. Let me tell you, like I was like their big brother, like uh, but I was also like really like taking care of them, and like it was so fun to like teach them all these things and like play with them and roughhouse with them, just kind of like <laughs> like a yeah. dad, like I guess because like they're they're twelve they're like twelve thirteen years old, and like I'm <laughs> like old <laughs> compared, comparatively, and it was like. Th- I mean, here's the thing. We're we're the same age. Like <laughs> we're not that old, but like this compared to like these little kids, like I'm yeah. <laughs> I might as well be a dinosaur to them. <laughs> but my apprentice, she's 16. So at least she's like I can have a like an actual sure. back and forth with her. Um but anyway, it's funny because like the way that you mentioned June is I guess kind of that like how I felt about Eli and Peyton, you know, like and not wanting to end my life right away because uh they needed me like and like you know i have i have a lot of friends i have a lot of people i care about and there's a lot of people on the show that i care about too like otherwise i wouldn't have them on but like there's only like one person out of in this entire in, uh, in this entire like podcast that i've done that you know i'm ride or die for and uh that's art art poor diaz my my brother, you know, but like those dogs, like I would move uh, heaven and earth. Like I would do anything for them. Like my goodness, I I spent two hundred dollars because uh, the Eli, big dummy, he uh, mailman came and he got <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> they, as dogs do, like when the Charlie comes. will literally eat anybody who comes to my house who is not supposed to be here. Oh yeah, uh, they did that too, Eli and Peyton. Even though Peyton's <laughs> a big baby, or uh, like he was like a fraidy cat, but yeah, Eli got. Uh, they were like roughhousing when the mailman got here, and oh he fractured God. his fingernail, like his, uh, <laughs> and he was like bleeding everywhere. He was like limping, like in a way oh, that I've no. never seen a dog limp before. And and I was like, my mom's not here. I have to call my cousin and I'm just like, we got to take this dog to the, <laughs> to the vet and I have to pay for it because my mom's not here. You know, she's at work and I literally have to carry him and hold him and like carry him all the way to the vet until we like get inside because like he can't walk <laughs> because of this one little fraction <laughs> the fingernail. And, and it was the first time in his life that he had to wear the coat of shame. Yeah, and he was like, I have pictures of him like all drugged up, and I was like, oh man, poor guy. (laughs) Poor doggy. Yeah, and Charlie, uh, our little dachshund, he was, he was kind of a little terror, you know, like he would bug Eli and 
get into his little dish and Eli was not having it. He was like, you better back the fuck up, man. <laughs> you don't go inside my dish. It's funny that Charlie was so, you know, he was a puppy. Like, you can't really say he was a bad boy, but like, he was like kind of crazy. But now that we have this new puppy, Bowie, um, Charlie's the mellow one now. He's just like, he's the one that's like laying around and kind of like a cat. <laughs> when he, when he was the one terrorizing Eli and Peyton and we caused all the trouble. Yeah. It was, I don't know, the roles reversed, but, but it's just like, you know, sitting here hearing you talk about uh, June, like I, I I tear up because like, that's how I felt too. You know, like I didn't really realize it. Like, you know, even at the time where I was just like, you know, let's just wait five years, whatever. And reflecting on their life. It's just like, man, they were the best. Important. Nobody can. I, yeah. I'm already like, yeah, June lives forever. That's already happening. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> yeah, June. June's still a puppy. Like, oh yeah, uh, she's got. She's Little got. Little girls time. got she's lots got, of time to terrorize her mother. I think, like, you know, um, Annalise, uh, another guest on the show, a good friend of mine. She, uh, oh. her mother has breast cancer, and uh, you know, I. I I, I tear up because like, you know, it's it, as of recording this episode, like um, they're in, she's in chemotherapy now and it's just starting and it's just like, you know, like I, and I talk about Eli and his cancer and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Um, but like, I don't know how like mentally prepared she is. Cause it's like, it cancer is so, it is it's horrible it's, it's, it's awful it, it's i and like you know i hear about it like you know like i've i've seen it in my cousin's daughter like i'm i guess my second cousin like you know it, cancer taking her but like you know um not being too close to them it didn't like affect me and too much or not really at all honestly i, I feel bad saying that but like it's you know it's sad that it happened it was more like I didn't have an emotional attachment to right. it, uh, right, to which them, is fine. you know, and it, yeah, but then oh. like it happened to my dog oh. and just to see like this person that I care about, like happened to him. Like, I was just like, I sent her a, an audio message. Cause like, I, I wanted to speak honestly right. and not like edit my words, you know, and just like sobbing, just being like, yo, this is like going to be a hard hard time for you and a hard time for your mom and i'm sure she's gonna be okay like it from what she from how she described it but like damn uh, cancer is awful i hate it i hate it i hate it sad Mm. i haven't i like i said mostly lost dogs in my life those are the ones i've loved that i've lost the most and most of it's been to cancer so yeah sucks man unforgiving um where where are you are right and, now where are you right now like mentally like now that you have june like uh, how much has she affected your life today and like kind of if you want to talk about like where you are mentally yeah, right now I, like, how are I you? feel like <laughs> mentally i am strongest i've ever been which feels so great to mm-hmm. say Especially just thinking back from just a year from now and how I felt. I think like uh, 
you know, taking away everything and giving myself the space to just be me and in therapy, I was, uh, I went through this 12 step program of bearing or like pulling up some old trauma from my past and, you know, working through that. And I think working through that trauma really like took a lot of weight off my shoulders. I was able to let go of a lot that I just didn't know I was holding mm-hmm. on to for so long. So now I feel super strong. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very confident in my feelings and my emotions. I, I feel good about my happiness and where that's at and still accepting the fact that, you know, my depression doesn't go away. I just kind of get better at mm-hmm. managing it. And I feel like now both with June and my artwork is going really, really well for me right now. And I'm in a new, super healthy, super positive, beautiful relationship that makes me feel um, like my own person. Like they really make me feel like I'm not so codependent on them. I'm not, I'm not a we, I'm a Jordan and they are them. And I don't know, it's just so different. The the relationship that I am in now has made me feel like I can just be myself in a space and share that with somebody who I really love. And I didn't think that was ever going to be possible, especially after what happened to me and how tainted I felt and how broken I was and how I'll never, nobody can ever love me because of blah, blah, blah. All of these horrible things I like to say about myself. And now, <laughs> and now I'm here and I'm looking back and I'm like, you know, it's okay that I felt all of those things. And I'm really proud of myself for like not holding on to those. And I think letting go was the biggest thing, like letting go of things, accepting, feeling what I needed to feel, you know, analyzing that, thinking about it, how I needed to. And like taking a step forward and meeting Nicole, like my partner now, I think I wouldn't have met her if I wouldn't have been like, I need to keep stepping forward. You know, mm-hmm. I need to keep going for what I want. What, what do I want? Cause right now is the time for me to go after it. Then, you mm-hmm. know, COVID hit and everything has to change when that happens. <laughs> yeah. So the certain plans that I had and wanted for myself didn't necessarily happen, but you know, but then I'm like, I can't control that. I think that's a big thing I learned is that not giving a fuck <laughs> about what other people have to think or have to say about me, especially about my art. And then, you know, <clears throat> just being being happy with the person that I'm learning about and becoming and accepting growth every day and accepting my failures as lessons instead of, you know, something that will completely turn my life upside down. Mm-hmm. So I feel great. I feel I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm mentally healthy. I'm physically healthy. I love my job. I really love where I work. Um, yeah. And I get to meet the coolest customers at my job. I have to say, I'm so happy mm-hmm. that we got to connect and meet. I think just instantly mm-hmm. I could tell that you were just like a real person and I am too. Like, I don't, really, I don't bullshit with my customers. I, mm. you know, I can talk about dogs or school or outdoorsy stuff. I am a talkative yeah. person, but 
you were always so genuine and it was so easy and fun to talk to you. And I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm super happy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we did meet because like, I don't know. I, the one thing that I loved about, I love about coffee and like going to coffee shops is like the people that I meet at the counter, you know, like mm-hmm. Atticus, like, it was so funny with Atticus because today was the first time in a year that I went to like that I stepped into Atticus oh my gosh. because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and being greeted by everybody there. It's like, hey, long time no see. Like, how are you doing? And just like, how are you guys doing? <laughs> it's just like, that. wow, I can't believe like you care. Like, <laughs> that's just that's so that, that was so cool. And the people there are so nice. And it, it was always like a good experience, but also like getting to talk. I feel like I don't know. I feel like every barista that I talk to, that like I, that I see often, like they they've always been like real human beings. And I like, man, I, I miss my friends so much. Mm-hmm. Like I miss theater. I miss like performing. And a part of me feels like I've regressed in my like mental health <laughs> because of this pandemic. Because like. I've kind of lost like what I do. I mean, I studied theater for like most of my life, Mm -hmm. like in 2019, like I was doing it nonstop. Like, and I talked about it with Dominique on her, on her episode where I was just like, I wasn't giving myself a break, but like, I wasn't burned out. Like I was like fired up. I was ready. I was like excited. I know that feeling for sure. Yeah. And everything just felt like it was taken away. Like my grant, my, my theater troupe, like my sense of like figuring what the fuck am I going to do next? Like, and this podcast in a way has been like a good way for me to be creative, but like, you know, my, and I mentioned this before and, you know, like it wasn't malicious on my boss. Like she's very nice, but, um, she made like this joke because I was like, Oh yeah, there's like this weird curtain thing going on downstairs, like in one of the clinics. And I was like, do you know what, what's going on down there? And she was like, Oh, um, a Shakespeare theater troupe is going to like perform down there. And I know it sounds stupid. Like that's of, of course she's joking, but like my mind automatically went to, Oh my God, I get to see my friends again, Aww. you know? And I don't know. I miss like, and talking to you, it's just like, I'll be honest with you, like, like getting my cinnamon roll, like that I get there and getting my coffee and like getting to talk to you, like it brightens my day. It's like, it's like my little joy. That makes my heart so happy. I love hearing (laughs) that because that's what I want to do. I love that. Yeah. It's like, you, I cannot underestimate like how important you, like you are right, right now in this like weird pandemic, like thing that's going on because like. I can't see my friends like and I don't want I don't really want to see them because I don't want to get anybody sick I don't want to hurt anybody you know like and because I work at a like a place where you know we might not see people who are sick all the time because it's the eye center but like there's been a lot of times where patients would call and be like hey I got exposed or I got a positive test or you know they they decide like oh yeah i'm gonna have a, like a, an eye exam and i was exposed to covid literally like exactly like two weeks ago <laughs> like the moment like they got out of quarantine 
and I'm like, even then, I'm just like, that's super sketch, yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm just, yeah, like, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't want to hurt anybody. That's where and... I'm at too. I'm like, I don't want to make, I, I don't want to hurt people. Yeah, and so like, the only people that I'll probably see is like, you know, people who are like quote unquote essential workers yep. who are exposed. Because I'm like, well we might give each other the virus, but like, you know, there's <laughs> like, we, we were probably highly suspicable of it anyway. Right. You know, it's true. So yeah, like it's a little joy. I'm just like, you know, I think about it. I'm like, Oh wow. I get to go to a coffee shop and you know, this is probably not healthy for me to like <laughs> get as many of these cinnamon rolls as I do, but like, God damn it. I like it. Right. <laughs> you know, like They're it's, good. And I, I, they're and I they're really good so fresh yeah they're really good and then like getting to talk to you even just briefly it's like i love that oh. i love like how warm you are oh that makes me so happy i love you coming in i'm always looking forward i see you walking over and i'm like sid's coming better get his latte ready <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't say it like that that sounds like it makes me sound like an elite bitch you know <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh my god, he has to have his coffee perfect or something, or I'm he's like, gonna I like need I don't to know. steam it to 162 degrees exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um and then like you talked about your partner a little bit. Like I, I was just curious because like you dated like a man yes. before. Like, are you bisexual? I am. I would probably I I've identified as bisexual mostly, I think pansexual would probably be more of a term mm. that i would use now um but i feel like bisexual is easier for people to understand i don't know i sometimes yeah. like this whole like i'm it's like non-binary i don't like black and white labels of things all the time because oh, yeah. i'm continually changing i was da- i have mostly dated men in my life and in between dated women like here and there and uh-huh. Nicole and I actually met on Hinge uh, early March, like before yeah. COVID actually like really, really hit. And then we were both kind of like, well, are we going to keep hanging out with each other since we're already and we just kept I couldn't I couldn't say no to her. I just mm. she's great. She's um, assistant manager at a dispensary and loves doing outdoorsy things with me she's super funny so kind loves to talk which is my kind of gal I don't know we just really compliment each other and it's always been easy to travel with her and to camp with her to plan things with her you know and now that I'm in a place where I feel like I know what I want in a relationship because I'm more secure with myself I mm-hmm. and I'm able to communicate that more clearly now. That's just like things are just really working out. Everything's just been really great with us. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with the labels. Like I think I flipped before from bisexual to being just gay to I think like once I started exploring like um you know things like uh transgender people or mm-hmm. you know non-binary people and mm-hmm. just being like what like i am i've been attracted to trans uh, transgender you know um ftm yeah people um before and i'm like what is it about them that make, makes me attracted to them and it's like um 
it's probably not like you know the genitals because you know like it's different from like cisgender and transgender people right and i think like i was more attracted to like the masculinity of it all um because like it also made me reflect on like my past crushes and stuff like where i was like oh i i felt like i genuinely uh liked this girl you know Mm -hmm. like i felt like i genuinely had genuinely had feelings for them you know and like the love was real it wasn't me trying to be like oh i i'm a i'm a game i'm a gay i'm gay on the inside but i have to be straight you know um so i I think i call myself queer because like i want to open myself up to like potentially dating a girl you know and i think because i never i've never dated anybody oh you know like yeah it just for some reason like it almost worked out that's a story for another day (laughs) (laughs) um mostly it was my fault uh for, for being like too scared to commit eh, yeah you know? it's okay yeah but i don't know i'm and then there was also like just the point where i was just like you know i'm uh, i'm just gonna focus on my career right now right. and i feel like relationships are being having a crush on somebody just puts a lot of strain it on does. on that so yeah um but i was pretty close to getting a boyfriend and i kind of fucked it up um, it wasn't like it was not their fault at all. It was I totally acknowledged that it was my fault, and it wasn't that I was like toxic or anything. It was more I wasn't clear about what I wanted, you know. Yeah. And it wasn't like we were super flirty and like we were hitting it off really well. And then I just got scared because I was like, "Oh shit, this is going too fast," and you're gonna get disappointed and your heart's going to be broken you got to stop right now like self-defense <laughs> um nicole and i had a situation where that kind of happens like in the beginning mm-hmm. of our relationship mm-hmm. and uh because it was like new for both of us and it's kind of scary it can be scary and daunting mm-hmm. and like i don't know putting yourself in that vulnerable space again can be it can be scary sometimes yeah, and, especially when you've gotten hurt a lot, too. Yeah, and both of us have felt that before. And so tried, but I was I was determined that not to happen. I was like, do not run away. Don't do it. Don't, you know, it was something that we definitely had to, like, learn a lot about each other from and grow from. And I think even from then, we just, like, understood each other a lot better and were able to work through it, too, which was huge for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about getting in a relationship right now. You know, um, I did talk to my mom about potentially adopting and just being like a single dad. Cool. <laughs> um, probably not now and not until I get my master's degree, right. um, or until I can actually afford a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause like right now I can barely even like afford to like, like fend for myself. Yeah. Like if I, if I, if I wasn't living with my mom, I would just, uh, but like that's like the millennial thing i guess oh that's like... me hello i'm living with <laughs> I, I live in the attic at my parents house right now because i literally can't i have to like there's nothing yeah what needs to happen exactly um let's let's uh we're kind of getting close to the end uh here um let's talk a little bit more about june um like june's probably at your feet right now you said right yes she is um what's uh, this is a question I ask everybody on the show uh, in some way. Uh, what is one thing you want to tell June right now? Oh. 
after like everything that we just talked about, you know, like what's something that you want her to know? That. Yeah. It makes me feel a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Go ahead. Feel <laughs> it. I, I cry. I cry. You know? <laughs> I just feel like I would love for her to know how thankful I am for her. And then I promise to give her the best life she could ever, ever ask for that I can give her. Mm-hmm. So she saved me and I'll do anything I can and everything I can to make sure that every day that she gets to be with me is really, really good. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't want to lose her. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. She's going to live forever. And ever. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said about Eli and Peyton, too. <laughs> Not to bring it down or anything, but, you know, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's cliche or whatever, but, like, Eli and Peyton are always there. You know, like, I have a picture of them on my wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, like, in the state that they were, which those two dogs, <laughs> my mom jokes about it, but, like, they, she wanted, like, she brought in Charlie because... She wanted to break up the love affair that they were having with each other because there were moments where, you know, Eli would always get up in Peyton's face and he would lick his mouth, you know? That's what you does the- to Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they they get sad when they're separated from... They got sad when they se- were separated from each other. Oh, definitely. And, yeah, I remember when uh, Peyton passed away, I was like... I was always checking on Eli. You know, just it. I I wasn't sure if he was like, I I wasn't sure how he felt. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was always. I don't know. You know, maybe between the cancer and like Peyton passing away, it's like it definitely felt like his cancer got worse the moment. Like, because like we know I we noticed he was struggling going to the bathroom last year. Mm-hmm. You know, like in in the summertime, but like it seemed like the cancer was just getting aggressive towards this this year in the summer and it was like i don't know maybe maybe it was something is going something was going on with him because like they say that dogs brains are like they they don't remember things yeah <laughs> like i don't know i don't know if charlie like sometimes i would like hey charlie do you remember our old friends eli and Peyton? eli you know i would say his name right. and charlie would just be like what <laughs> <laughs> Who, who who are you talking about? Even though Charlie, like Eli, was Charlie's best friend. Yeah. You know? um, I don't know. I feel like Eli changed when Peyton died a little bit. Mm, I because like I can't that's all they knew. About it. Yeah, like June. Charlie just turned seven. My Springer mm-hmm. June turns two in August. So, mm-hmm. you know he. He's he's old. He's an old boy. Yeah, he's getting up there, especially for Springers. So, yeah, we shall see what happens. But you never know. Yeah. And by that time, I might have another dog because I want like yeah. so many. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I did. Like, um, we'll try not to get. I mean, I I do want to get into. <laughs> like, we'll see. We'll see with the time. But I forgot to mention because um, about your art because this is called Wayward Artists. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, how do you think your art's changed? Um, like from when you were dating your ex to now. 
uh well i wasn't really even making art when i was dating him really? oh yeah i went oh man that's horrible that's how my i should have known something was wrong <laughs> uh but I, I i would just sit in my studio and cry because i just felt like nothing could come out of me i was just so empty that there was just nothing that i could even create and mm-hmm. once i uh, had my first therapy session with my therapist, my new therapist, and I really we instantly hit it off. She also had an Aussie. She was big into like crystals and smudging, which I'm really into that kind of energy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we instantly hit it off. Love her still, but she told me she's like, "What would happen if you just like went to a coffee shop and sat down and?" painted like you used to because I do I do like a lot of like journal painting where I'll bring like watercolors to go or my pens or my markers and you know like we talk about sitting in like a little coffee shop space people watch window look out the window and watch traffic and people walk by just being in that area with all a bunch of other people and that energy of other people working I liked it and you know my work at first was really dark and super sad I made a self-portrait of myself for 2019 also very sad but you know what it was a way for me to like put it out there and once I just started continuing and kept putting it out there and kept putting it out there and bringing my artwork to therapy to like you know talk about like what I'm creating and what I'm feeling completed a self-portrait for 2019 which you know looks a little sad but I'm like super proud of it because I don't really do portraits like I said most of my stuff is abstract work Mm-hmm. So I've been working on my 2020 portrait and it's probably like 70% done. So, mm-hmm. and I finished my 2019 portrait in 2020. So I'm giving myself until like the first quarter of 2021 to finish that. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be doing, I don't know how I'm going to showcase them or share them. It feels kind of like unworthy to like share them just on Instagram like there's so much mm-hmm. more to it than that so I don't know what I'm gonna do yet that's another thing I'm kind of thinking about if I can ever do a show ever again I don't know probably not I don't know we'll do, you, see. Do, you, do you know Ginger Ewing it doesn't sound familiar they are um the co-founder of Terrain oh really yeah would you I, I, I I'm gonna I'll, you should message her I would love to. You should yeah. give me her info, and I would love to message her. Yeah, she's on Facebook. I know. Oh, okay. I don't know if you're on Facebook. Um, Terrain also has like a an email um, that I could probably send you to. Um, probably not tonight. My phone's dying <laughs> and it's <laughs> charged, uh, uh, and I want to eat after this. Um, but no, that's that's kind of what I've been doing too in 2020 i i kind of drew a self-portrait of myself i like drawing uh uh expressionist paintings Mm -hmm. um basically just kind of like weird shit i don't like there's not really a technique Mm -hmm. like i kind of gave up on like oh yeah i need to to be like whatever i just kind of just draw what i'm feeling um i don't know if you saw my instagram like it's kind of on there it's very sad but i was like that's that's what i'm feeling you know (laughs) with everything that's going on um But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, like, I'm excited to see where you're going to go with your art, um, whether it's going to be at Terrain. Uh, hopefully we can do Terrain again. Oh, um, I hope so, too. 
yeah, I was very grateful that I was able to do that last year. And, uh, well, I guess last year, meaning 2019. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Anything else that you want to say? No, I'm just, I'm really happy that we connected. I think, like, coming from Seattle in a non-COVID time was just, I was just surrounded by creatives all the time and I think like you know musicians and writers and actors directors and other visual artists and poets and you know all of us could like all hang out together and share ideas and share this and do all this and I think that's like the one thing that I miss the most about pre-COVID and uh I don't know now here in Spokane so when you reached out to me about the podcast I was just super excited to one hear other people other artists talk because I feel like I've missed that and just connect with you too Mm because I don't know I just have good feelings about you and I'm so glad and happy you invited me on the show I've had fun talking with you of course absolutely um I think uh I I just really liked your art and I at first like I didn't really know too much about your visual art so mm-hmm. I was like I think it would just be kind of cool to have you on as a barista but um like oh yeah we have a barista that's art it's a wayward like yeah you're like <laughs> wait situation. he's a barista and a painter what yeah it's like uh, yeah double duty um <laughs> uh guys gals and non-binary pals this has been wayward artists in the wayward world uh Jordan any last words no um uh fuck COVID-19 I'm ready for 2021 mm-hmm. baby <laughs> I I'm not sure if I'm ready for 2021 we can do it we gotta keep moving forward keep going yeah we can do it we got each other yeah let's just hope we can like quote unquote but go back to normal yeah even if it's like you know and a little altered but can we like can things just kind of open back up a little bit again I don't know yeah Maybe. The art. I just want the art. Yeah, really back. keep the keep everything else closed. Let's just open up the art, please. We need art in a yeah. time like this. If if, there, if it ever a time we need art, we need it now. Yep. I I really hope we can do theater. I plan to apply next year to like to my masters. And if we're still online, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Cause I'm not in school debt, mm-hmm. thank God, you know, like because my dad's boss, you know, took care of me. Nice. Uh um but I'm not going to about to go into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for my master's just for it to be online. Right. There's like no way. Absolutely not. No, that's that's <laughs> not worth it. I would highly go against that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since the only debt I have is credit card debt. There you go. And that, that's mostly my fault. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> that happens to the best of us, including myself. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, it was totally avoidable. Well, let's just say I I didn't have to buy a brand new TV and the two new consoles uh, (laughs) that came out. But it was a pandemic, and uh, my justification for it was I can't travel. And that's how much it would cost for a plane ticket and hotel. There you go. Right there. One trip. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, without further ado, it's been real. It's been very real.
Yeah. <laughs>